my advice. We can't do anything by working with each other. I ain't gonna work for free. Tell me what's in this for me. We can't do anything by working with each other. Come on, kids, take a shot. Show them what we really got. We can't do anything. everybody welcome back to uncanny cinema uh before i launch into the film i'm gonna throw out uh if you have followed our show if you've come across our show randomly here right now or if you've been listening to it uh on uh on the regular then uh please go to our facebook or twitter pages uh, facebook's just uncanny cinema you can find it pretty easily you can see our logo and then uh, Twitter is going to be Uncanny Cinema is like the name, but the handle is at Cinema Uncanny. I tend to be on that one more. I'll you know share other tweets, movie-related tweets and jokes and that kind of stuff. So I'm not doing Facebook as much, but uh, I'm on uh, Twitter doing more of that. And you know both of them, though, I will post any new episode that comes out um, so you'll be able to uh, keep an eye on it that way. So just trying to like boost the numbers a little bit, and it's something that I every time forget to mention at either the beginning or the end of the show, so this time I figured, well, I'll do it. All right, so with that out of the way, we are going to launch into our newest selection here. I apologize profusely for this. Uh, if you are following along at home and uh, watching, watching, chose to watch this film along with us, The Garbage Pale Kids Movie. This is a famously bad movie. It's often listed amongst, like, you know, some of the worst movies ever. I mean, obviously, there's, like, flashier ones like The Room or Birdemic and thing, more, more recent ones that have become, you know, midnight movies or, like, get drunk with your friends movies. So stuff like the Garbage Pail Kids movie in the 90s was probably more well-known for that just because other stuff has now overtaken it. But that said... At one time, and still kind of now, it's considered one of the worst movies, and rightfully so. Um, and this is one, even though I've seen a lot of bad movies, like famously bad movies, it had always been on my radar. I'd never watched it. Decided to do it for this podcast. So here we are. We are watching the Garbage Pail Kids movie from 1987. Some basic background on this. It was directed, produced, and written by... Rod Amato, and he had directed some comedy films in the 60s and 70s, nothing particularly big. It seemed like some of them were kind of like sex comedies, but none of them, maybe like kind of teen college comedies for some. I did see there was a Jerry Lewis movie in there. Nothing I'd really ever like heard of or knew of any kind of like big deal. This was the last movie that he ever made. I think it probably effectively killed his career. Um... The Garbage Pail Kids movie is obviously based on the popular 1980s gross-out trading card line, and that itself was intended as a parody of Cabbage Patch Kids, which were very popular in the 80s and continue to be popular to some degree. You know, they still make Cabbage Patch dolls. Um, but the Cabbage Patch Kids were, you know, very, like, sweet, um, you know, baby doll things and just kind of this, like, overly sweet thing and so i think the makers of garbage pail kids like oh we're gonna fuck with that we're gonna like make it awful and like kids like gross stuff and so if you've never heard of garbage pail kids they were trading cards from tops 
and they came with chewing gum like a lot of trading cards did back in the day and they would just have like Valerie Vomit um, you know Billy Boyle and like all these kinds of like gross names and characters and like violent stuff and heads blowing up and all kinds of stuff there was a lot of uh, backlash from parents at the time and so this movie has the odd distinction of being <laughs> one of the first titles that comes up on screen is a tops chewing gum production which i think is probably uh, one of the only times in history you would see that uh, on a film but yeah so this uh this was off of the craze of the garbage pale kids in the 80s it's off of the craze of like kid-centered films in the 80s but we'll talk about how this may or may not work in relation to that um of who the audience for this movie might have been they might have been trying for i don't know and then we can launch into there's not a whole lot of other background information so we can like launch into our guests here but i will say for both of our guests uh, I want you to think about this. We'll come back to it at the end of the show. But I want you to think about what would your pitch be for a Garbage Pail Kids movie? How do you take these trading cards, these gross-out trading cards, and you are tasked as a street screenwriter slash director to now, all right, we need an, a 90-minute movie off of this popular thing. We need to translate that to the big screen so that people will go and buy a ticket and will hopefully walk out satisfied. How do you make that happen? I say that because I don't feel this movie succeeded in any regard <laughs> relating to that. So it got what? me thinking, it got me thinking like, all right, if I was in that position in 1987 or 86, I guess, how do you approach this in any way that could possibly make it work? Because it is an odd concept it's not a storyline. It's not a, based on a TV show or a novel. This isn't like Mission Impossible where it's like all just sitting there for you. It's like, oh, they're an espionage team and they go on missions. Cool. All right. Just do it. Like it's not it's not the Adams family. It doesn't have like a cool concept. It's just weird, gross kids on trading cards who have no relation to each other. There's no character, no character development. There's no story. You ha you're given nothing but these images. What do you do with the story from there all right so that's what i put to you we'll come back to it at the end but to introduce our panel here we uh we have our uh, two brothers joining us uh once again uh or two two of our sets of brothers because i guess we have uh, a couple others who've been on the show but uh jimmy is our uh fairly regular panelist so uh welcome back jimmy yeah i think it's been a while since i've uh, been on uh, one of these episodes and um, after having watched this movie, I might just tell Linton, uh, hey, might need to take a couple months off. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And uh, always, always glad to hear um, <laughs> that, uh, that the film's been a success. Um, and we also have uh, Jimmy's brother, Nate, joining us. And Nate, you've been on, is it this uh, your second or third for us? I know you're on the Avengers. Second. Yeah. Avengers okay. was my other one. Yes. So between the Avengers and Garbage Pail Kids, which is the stronger film? <laughs> Avengers, by far. <laughs> Avengers made you think and made you wonder. I mean, like, this one does too, to some extent, but not nearly as deep. 
Avengers, you're like, what were they trying to do? And Garbage Pail Kids is like, they don't know what they were trying to do. <laughs> now, now, if Sean Connery was in this movie, is there a chance that it could be up up to snuff to the Avengers? Uh, maybe. You, well, okay. <laughs> now look here, can... Valerie Vomit. We've got a <laughs> we've got a show to put on, a fashion show. <laughs> Where's my? <laughs> he could have been what Captain? What was it Manzini? Yes. Yeah. No, so maybe that's where we can start then, because I thought Captain Manzini actually had a strong performance in this film. All right, well, first off, first off, <laughs> as, as is tradition, uh, what do we make okay. of Garbage Pail Kids, the movie? So introductory thoughts before we launch into any specifics. The movie should have stayed in the pail, Linton. <laughs> oh, my God. It got let out. Um. I can't do a Sean Connery impression, so <laughs> I'm not going to try. Um, yeah, that movie was terrible. I, I'm at a loss of words. I mean, I have notes. I do. I, I've taken notes on the movie, but what do you say about that movie? It's like, obviously was trying to go for a Care Bear kind of vibe almost. But then was it? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> like like uh, somebody throw me a throw me a life preserver here because I mean really... there were definitely times throughout where I was like I was like all right this is definitely for kids right and then I'd, I'd see something I'm like is it what's this what's the rating on this is PG thirteen R <laughs> all right so Nate is befuddled uh, Jimmy um yeah I mean it was. As ex- as you would expect a movie titled The Garbage Pail Kids Movie would be, right? I think you go in with low expectations and somehow you walk out going, that was worse than I thought. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I, okay, so that's what I was hoping for, Linton. When I got invited to do my second show, and it was Garbage Pail Kids, first, my first hope, my first false sense of hope was, all right, last time I did one of these with Linton, he was doing a joke where it was the Avengers, but he wanted to do it like the actual Avengers, but it wasn't the actual Avengers. It was the bad Avengers. That was the so, original idea, but then I came clean with everyone. So Right. <laughs> so then you sent, us a, you sent us the movie, and it was just titled GPK. And I'm sitting there like, maybe there's a different movie with GPK, and it's a whole big trick. He wouldn't want us to watch the Garbage Pill Kids. And then I started it, and it was a Topps production. And I'm like, nope, <laughs> we're watching the Garbage Pill Kids. You know, what threw me for a loop more was not only that it was a Topps production at the beginning, but that the MGM lion was up front. I was like, whoa, MGM got in on this? That guy lost his job. All right. Well, for myself, uh, you were both talking about like, you know, is this for kids? What's the idea behind this? Uh, Nate, you mentioned like uh, Care Bears as a possibility. I do think the audience is a key thing that we should uh, dive into here shortly, maybe first uh, out of the gate. But I can best sum it up and my reaction to it. I probably hit on this maybe like halfway through the movie that this is shitty gremlins. Like that's what I landed on because the Garbage Pail Kids are presented as like trickster and problematic characters. They're like... They aren't trusted by certain characters and they end up like doing good things. So they're not like full on gremlins because gremlins are just like always awful with the exception of, of Gizmo, who's, you know, Mogwai and he ever transforms and everything. So they're not like complete trickster characters, but a lot of the time they're just like very destructive 
and they're not being trusted. And I feel that it's possible this movie was greenlit not just on the strength, such as it is, of the trading card line and the popularity of that. It might have been also greenlit with an eye toward Gremlins because anyone who's like a child of the 80s or just goes back and watches a bunch of this stuff would know when Gremlins hit, it started a wave of little monster movies. There was like horrible uh, movie called Munchies. There was the Critters series, which they made four of. And then they more recently did one and I think a show or something. There was the Ghoulies series, which is horrible. Uh, There was Leprechaun. Chucky could arguably be an offshoot of Gremlins. I mean, there had been like other evil doll kind of things. But just if you look at the 80s from the point of Gremlins onward, which was a Steven Spielberg production, he was already established. It becomes a hit. It's popular. They're selling dolls of gizmo and shit. You look at that, it's similar to like how E.T. birthed a ton of alien movies and a ton of like nice alien movies like Mac and Me and other fucking dog shit. Um, But (laughs) Gremlins, I think, launched a lot of like little monster movies. And I think... This at some level was being pitched as like, oh, the Garbage Pail Kids could be like Gremlins. And then I don't I don't think they fully committed to that concept, you know, because the Garbage Pail Kids are not like evil or totally bad. They're just like kind of bad. So I think there's probably some like studio back and forth of like, you know, they should be naughtier. They should be funnier. Um, And then at times other people are probably trying to make them more like, no, we should care about them. They should be good kids. So that's my best guess is that it was trying to not just be success off of the cards, but off of the heels of Gremlins. That's something I did read was that in some drafts, and this might have just been an urban legend because of the outcome of what this looked like. But in some drafts of the script, it was actually supposed to be more of a horror movie, like a a straight horror movie where they like ooze out of the can and they're like, you know, nasty little things and then you know maybe it was the tops corporation or maybe it was some movie producer who's like no 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 they can't be they can't do that they've got to be lovable they gotta be little elven sprites (laughs) that sing around and dance in their workshop elven sprites nice well Um, when they when they were like singing and dancing in the in the in the in their tool shop i'm like I've seen this Oh, Christmas you mean special. we can do anything yeah. by working with each other. <laughs> you know that toe tapper? Um, yeah, what Nate's talking about here. So I have this note. John Carl Buchler, who I believe was like part of the special effects crew or something, was considered to direct the film. His version of the story was going to be a straight-up horror film. The Garbage Pail Kids would have spawned from radioactive sludge that had found its way into a garbage can filled with broken dolls, turning them into serial killers. Sounds better. I'm there. I'm interested. Yeah, I definitely could see, and I think it was, I don't know at what point, it was probably halfway through as well, but like the uh, the owner of the shop, so like these garbage pail kids are basically in a garbage pail, as you as you were, in an antique, an antique shop, a la Gremlins, right oh so, yeah i didn't even think about that yeah like and then it starts off and there's kind of like a creepy vibe in the beginning and then the owner of the shop kind of gives the same kind of like you know mogwai you know 
Dota worry Dota to like yeah Pandora's yeah box. don't don't do yeah it's Pandora's box like yeah so don't let oh ever open like you can touch anything in the store just don't touch that garbage can because <laughs> it's Pandora's box so you're you know they kind of set you up to be like oh man what could possibly be in there that has to stay in there and then like you know shocker they get out and rather than it being like oh all hell breaks loose it's mischief everywhere it's like hey we're gonna help you um make a new uh, line of clothing and get with this girl that you like. And, you know, we might have some fun along the way. We might get into some shenanigans. Might, uh, you know, go to a movie theater and just disrupt everything. Um, like the Gremlins did. Like the Gremlins did. And uh, and rather than being like Hellions, they're just misunderstood. And it's like, hey, you got to go back in your garbage pail because the world's not ready for how ugly you are. <laughs> In which case, I'm like, what is the plot of, like, what is the moral of this movie? <laughs> you know, honestly, your description of the movie up until that point was like, yeah, that actually sounds good. Except everything you described uh, in execution in the actual movie was done much worse. So, like, <laughs> like the, the, the point, the one I'll point out is like, oh, they get out of the garbage pail. They get, you know, they're little, they're messing around and have be little tricksters and having fun, but also helping out the boy. They really just kind of like wander around in circles, bumping into things and going, ah. Probably because the people inside the costumes couldn't see all that well. So, <laughs> Well, on the, on the plot, uh, Jimmy, you kind of touched upon it, um, but I, I did write this down for myself of asking, again, once we'd gotten probably like two thirds of the way through it or something, like I'm just like trying to sort out what the actual plot is that we've been watching. Uh, once it once enough pieces has fall, fallen in place, and so I hit on so the garbage pail kids make clothes so some girl can have a fashion show so she'll fuck a fourteen year old. Did I get that right? <laughs> Is that the plot of the garbage pail kids movie? And yeah, I was like, along the way they get a little bored. You know, they have to go out and have some fun, but then they get back to work. <laughs> yeah, but that's that's kind of what happens. It's. Uh, it's kind of like this kid befriends the garbage pail kids and then uses them as a bunch of hideous wingmen to get with a much taller girl <laughs> who seems like a much cooler girl as far as high school goes or middle school. Um, the other thing is that Jimmy uh, failed to note is that the movie does not explicitly start in the antique store with the garbage pail and the kids inside. The movie starts in space the garbage pail is floating through space with thrusters. The garbage pail kids are like fucking space aliens. The movie just drops that on us in the intro. And then you see them like floating above the earth in space, like, like fucking predator or the beginning of the thing. Like yeah, it's setting yeah. it up. And then the next scene is we're in the antique store and the thing's just there. So like, they teleported there or we're just skipping ahead in time but no matter what i cannot focus enough on how the garbage pail kids who are presented as like gross cartoonish children actually come from space can i say and maybe we can talk about this a bit more in detail but in that scene i did laugh in that very first scene because you know they do the classic away from the camera star wars star wars yeah and that's like that's fine you know Oh, it's it's a garbage pail. Funny, and then they have them going across the screen, and they're like doing loop de loops, and they're just going yeah, 
I was like, eh, okay. <laughs> Maybe this is what the kind of tone of the movie will take. It didn't really. So well, Nate, that's the weird Nate thing. was the audience for this movie. They did it. <laughs> I, might have been the closest. <laughs> and then I, I actually liked the second. I liked both those scenes in a vacuum. Like the first scene with like the goofy ship. I'm like, I don't have any commitment to like needing the garbage fell kids to be actual kids that are gross versus aliens, whatever. I don't care. Um, the second scene was actually kind of like enjoyably whimsical. Like all the things kind of tinkling around. I mean, the worst part was all the voices. They sucked. Um, they continue to suck for the next hour and a half. <laughs> but like the the vibe they were giving me of like this magical store with these kids in it. I'm like, okay. And I never had to see the kids in that scene either. So yeah, uh, those first two in a vacuum were were fine. And it, yeah, it didn't go much better after that. Well, I think your uh, your analogy of like. They didn't know what they wanted to do, so they threw things at the wall kind of thing. Absolutely was, like, apparent within ten minutes of the movie. Like, you had, are they space aliens? There's a guy who owns an antique shop who, like, is a magician that's been around for thousands of years. And is all bummed out that there's no longer any... Real... Wait, wait, where where do they establish that he's thousands of years old? I believe you. I just did not catch this. Oh, yeah, I, ca- I, yeah, Captain, uh, what is his name? Man, What's his Manzini? Name? He, he, he has Captain one throwaway Manzini. line. He has a throwaway line that's like, uh, he hands he hands uh, Mackenzie Aston a rapier, and he says, back when people were chivalrous and they settled their fights with a sword, then they invented gunpowder, then the atom was split, and that's when I turned my back on humanity. And it was like, are you Merlin? Is this guy Merlin? <laughs> well, okay. So is that what you're basing it, that he's ancient? I mean, I can see what you're saying. Well, but... it's that, and he also constantly points out, like, yeah, there's never any, uh, you know, in- real ingredients for spells these days. Okay. You can't go out and, you can't go out and find uh, Eye of Newton anymore, like you used yeah, to. Yeah, okay. Yeah, there was that. I-, I guess the first one you mentioned, I just took it as being kind of like showmanship patter. And the mm-hmm. fact that, like, this character would have been alive when they split the atom. Like, like he could have just been like, ah, humanity's going down the tubes. Like, like that would fit with his age. Um, Open an antique store. Forget yeah, it. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> but yeah. So, all right. So, maybe, yeah. Maybe he's, like, fucking ancient. I don't know. Who knows? Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's one other clue that he... So, I, th- I like that we've ca- caught on to the fact that he is a captain magician. Uh a, yeah, his name so, was Captain. Yeah, he was, but he doesn't do any magic outside of the very first scene where he makes the laundry wash itself. But he does he, uh, actually. He do that. he does he does shitty magic that traps himself in the garbage can at the end. Oh, that's true. Right. So he, yeah, I just, the I guess the third. Well, I mean, I feel like we're going all over the place, but so is the movie. So <laughs> the third, as the, the movie only, did. The third thing that he did was he made fire appear out of his hand to distract someone. But it was clearly a sleight of hand trick. It was Mm. not actual fire. He literally did like the trick that a magician would do. So I was like, well, he's two for three. Why would he do that? He could make things move on his own. I picture you on the couch just going like, not real magic, sleight of hand. No, it was clearly. Bullshit. You jumped the shark. (laughs) Not my garbage pail, kids. (laughs) Uh, um, yeah, so I guess 
The other thing I want to hit on, since we've already mentioned Captain Manzini, so the whole plot of this starts out with he has the garbage bale kids in a garbage can in his shop, and his helper is our, I guess, main character, the 14-year-old Dodger who's trying to pick up on what seemingly is... She's at least 16 because she's driving, um, but I'm assuming like 17 or 18 in this movie. Um, oh. And I, I I think sixteen makes sense. I mean, I, I don't think she believably looks old old enough to be past sixteen. Uh, um, but but I mean, movies will you know try to like claim people are some age or something all the time. So who knows? Yeah. But the the weirdest part, and I that's a very weird thing to say, is the weirdest part of this movie to me was he had like a uh, Marty McFly Doc yes. Brown relationship with this guy, except you never saw this kid go home. But he clearly did not live there because he said he's like, I think Captain said he's only been working at the shop for two months. So it's not like he was, you know, he's his son. And not to mention, there are multiple times where he comes back after he gets beat up by the bullies who will also hit on because that's a whole nother topic. But the captain has him undress so he can wash his clothes and take a bath later on. In which case I'm like... People had some weird theories about Doc Brown and Marty McFly. This is literally what they were, were their worst fears were. He takes a bath like in the middle of the shop in like a big clawfoot bathtub, like just in the center of the room. It's not even like a bathroom. And all the garbage pail kids are surrounding the bathtub while this child bathes. And the kid's like 14, I think, but looks younger. Because, like, yeah. he's, like, a short, scrawny kid. So, like, he comes off more as, like, 12. Even though his, like, his plot and kind of, like, his interest in the girl skews him older. But, um, yeah, so the kids are, like, the other garbage pail kids are, like, watching him. Including, like, the girl garbage pail kids who are, like, clearly, like, oh, at a couple moments. And it's, like, why? Why is this happening? <laughs> why are we doing this? Yeah, if I was, uh, you know... So I have a, a, a two boys. I have two sons. And if at any point when they're at a age of 14, if they're like, hey, I'm going over to work at the shop. And then I come back and I'm like, you look like you've been bathed. Like you're, you're much cleaner than when you left. I would start having some questions. <laughs> what are you doing at that shop? <laughs> um, speaking of creepiness. So two things that I kind of noticed on top of that. Like, well, you know, Mackenzie Aston's character does a lot of wardrobe changes. He's constantly taking clothes off and putting clothes on. Um, but so is Tangerine. So is, uh, she like, there's like a pretty big moment where she sells the shirt off her back and like just makes Dodger's heart go like, oh my gosh, a 50 year old girl without her shirt on. And then during a montage where Dodger and Tangerine are like, you know, doing their their thing she does it again and part as part of the montage um when you say doing their thing you mean selling clothes right right sorry for being vague (laughs) and so like that just you know i always worry especially post um uh you know weinstein like why are these 14 and 15 year olds doing this who, who convinced the 14-year-old to constantly, like, oh, you're so dirty, you got to change your clothes in this scene, kid? And then 
Oh, you're you're a rough and tumble girl. You're gonna sell the shirt off your back. Twice. <laughs> uh, so, so, so you think this is a powder situation? What's a what's that? What's like the movie powder? Uh, the movie Powder, I can't remember the guy's name, Salva maybe. He's a director, he directed Powder, and he directed a movie called, I think it was Fun House, uh, or Cl- Clown House, and then he directed like at least the first Jeepers Creepers movie, maybe the second. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, he's like a convicted child molester, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. he, on set, I think, of Clown House, there's some like stuff that went down, and I think there's like shots of like you know young kids in their underwear like that wouldn't have been great before you knew it and then you know it after and you're like you know it's like oh cool but yeah powder like anytime he ends up making a movie there's usually like an outcry of like why is he getting to make a movie again so i think it's salva or something yeah i mean maybe not anything that um pointedly um wrong but just like the general i i just have this vision of hollywood especially you know i'm sure it's still the case i don't know but like looking back in in the context of what i know now that's just like hollywood is a place where you you know just like listen to the people who tell you what to do and it's like if there's some guy is just like all right you're you're real dirty and you got to stick your foot out and show that your foot's all so i'm going to zoom in on the foot and then we're gonna then the then we're gonna reveal that the alligator likes to eat feet, so it's fine, it's funny. <laughs> Just like make me like, what kind of stuff's going on here? And then like they bring that back too. He's like constantly searching for feet. If you yeah, want your big the, break in Hollywood and you want to get yourself in this garbage pail kids movie, you gotta you take a shirt. Star? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean the when the when that there's a all the kids look essentially like children like a cartoonized versions of children but one of them is just like a straight up alligator boy <laughs> which i assume is is off of the cards but it's weird because i remember the cards and i remember there being some that were like out there and outlandish but they just did one like that they just made one creepy head puppet thing with an alligator boy the rest of them just look kind of like hideous peanuts caricatures like come to life um, but yeah, there is a scene where he's in a bar and he's like going up to people's feet and like selecting the right feet. And it did seem vaguely sexual in the way it was being presented. As most of this movie is. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, we've jumped around a bit, but I will say, I mean, this is one of those where the plot doesn't really matter as far as our episode goes and really doesn't matter as far as the movie goes. But to give you just kind of a real basic idea of it, you've got the kid with his Doc Brown magician. And I say that as a fan of Back to the Future and in no way make any kind of comparison between these characters (laughs) of quality. But as a rough guideline of they were probably like, ah, you know, like that old guy and that kid. It'll be like them. Um, So you've got those two uh, are together in this like antique store or whatever. You've got the Garbage Pail Kids. You've got this girl who is Tangerine that the boy is infatuated with. She hangs out with the cool slash tough (laughs) kids who are just constantly, like, beating the fuck out of the kid. In one point of the movie, they literally, like, take him into a sewer, knock him out, like, unleash a sewage pipe just pouring water, 
and then go back up, essentially leaving him for dead to drown in the sewer. Like, because he wasn't going to wake up. So, and then the Garbage Pail Kids, like, figure out he's down there and save him. Like, this is their first meeting. But, yeah, then basically the Garbage Pail Kids, I think, what did you call them, uh, Nate? Uh, sprites? Elven Sprites? Elven sprites. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're, they're basically like, you know, uh, like the Cobblers. Uh, what's the, what's the, uh, what's that fairy tale? Where the the elves are making the shoes. The they steal your elf, socks, like in South, elf, South Park. No, elves in the shoemaker. I think is like the old like uh, fable okay. or something. Yeah, it's kind of like that. They just like they're these hideous little creatures, but they can make clothes. And Tangerine is all about fashion, and so she's super impressed when the boy who is Dodger shows up with this I don't know Michael Jackson esque jacket. <laughs> That's literally and, what I wrote. I was like, the kids knock off Michael Jackson coat? Was it what impressed yeah. her? And, uh, and so then she's like, oh, he lies and says he made it. And then she's like, I need more of this. Because she's been like stealing clothes to sell them. And then that propels the plot because the Garbage Pail Kids start making clothes, as I said earlier, so that this kid could hopefully hook up and bang a tangerine. Um, and then she has a fashion show that kind of comes out of nowhere for me. I was like, wait, this is a legit operation now? Okay. Um, and that's kind of the back half of the plot. And then there's like sort of this, we got to rescue the garbage pail kids. It's all garbage. It's all terrible. It's dog shit. None of it's good. Um, but that's the, as we bounce around here, that's kind of the key points that you need to know. So from there, wherever you want to go. Should we talk about what the way the garbage pail kids look i don't think we've of hit on that yet of, and of course we should and that we i mean that's kind of like uh, the most you know like i don't know i don't even know what the word would be but like unsettling spine tingling <laughs> moment of the entire movie is when you first see them and go like oh god <laughs> that is true. um i did read that i guess uh the heads of the garbage pail kids were um not finished which when i read that i was like well that's the most obvious thing i've ever read in my life (laughs) um but i guess they had to move forward with production anyway so yes the uh the puppetry like of their like to make their mouths work in sequence or whatever wasn't finalized and the director was basically like fuck it we'll do it live and (laughs) rolled with it uh, I believe the thing I saw on IMDb or something was like believing that it would improve as they were shooting. <laughs> like, I think he just assumed like the effects crew would like figure shit out or something. I don't know. But so it was just related to the mouth movement. Uh, I think that's what I saw. I don't know if I kept it down. I mean, I think the mouth movement was pretty bad. I assume I, the entire I... things were just half done. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I think the design was was what they planned on. They look of mm. Basically, like the kids do in the cards, a more somewhat more horrific versions. But also, you have to remember the cards are meant to be like gross out and weird. So, like, even in a good Garbage Pail Kids movie, they probably should be creepy and weird. <laughs> but you know, none of this is good. So then you're just like, oh, these are unsettling. I don't like this. Yeah. Um, 
from what I read, you know, this wasn't sourced. I think I actually saw it from like a YouTube video that was talking about the Garbage Pail Kids that I needed to like do some further research. <laughs> like 10 things you didn't know about Garbage Pail Kids. Have you heard the good news about the Garbage Pail Kids? <laughs> the, this video, one of the ones they mentioned was that not only were they unfinished, they, the, the heads, the animatronics, they were heavy and they were okay. wireless. And um, the, all the shooting they did in that warehouse was actually mucking with the, the radio frequencies that allowed the animatronics to work correctly, even in their half-finished state. Um, and on top of that, they were fragile. So over the course of doing the movie, if they like bonked into something and ruined something, they just kept going. <laughs> so... Um, you can definitely tell that there are, you know, of course they shoot out of sequence, but there are definitely parts where you're like, why is that one looking so rough? <laughs> <laughs> like the one that caught me early on was Valerie Vomit. Looked like she had a stroke. That's <laughs> like, so when they say that like, oh, they got damaged, the radio frequencies aren't working right. You know, I was like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. The thing that I focused on as you were talking about that was when you said that the heads were wireless. And then I started picturing, like, if they had gone to, like, a fallback plan of, like, fuck it, wire them up. And they just had, like, a big cord sticking out the back of all of their heads, like in the Matrix or some shit. They just followed them anywhere they walked in the scene. It would have added oh, something. Some genesis oh, quad. from the waist up. Yeah, shoot them from the waist up. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing I'll say is they definitely I don't know they focused heavily more heavily on some of the other some of the garbage pail kids over others and I don't know if that's partly because they're like I think these look a little bit better than those and to your point like the snot one and the vomit ones I I think both of those were just kind of like eh, maybe not whereas those were like, the girls as well yeah yeah it could also be it <laughs> um but yeah, I feel like the the alligator guy had a lot of focus, and then was it the nerdy one? Ugh. Yeah, the nerdy one. And there Matt was nerd. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what was the Windy something? Windy Wendell or Windy Winston. Windy Winston? This movie has a lot of farting and fart sound effects all throughout it, and the nerd constantly wets his pants, so you get. Uh, Several scenes of just garbage pail kids like standing in urine. So you, the movie's got it all. It's everything that, you that, want. I got to the point where they did it like for the fifth or sixth time. I'm like, did they just have like a one note thing of like, listen, we we wired him up. He actually pees on cue. <laughs> it's all we got. Like, let's use it. <laughs> no way. No way. Because we got one look- time where Valerie vomit can actually vomit. This kid pees. <laughs> As much as you want. <laughs> to the point that I forgot what her name was for most yeah. of the movie. I was like, wait a minute, what's her weird thing? Because she just looks ghastly, whereas all the other ones, it's so apparent. Like, oh, this one's snotty, and this one's, you know, a nerd and everything. But yeah, it wasn't till near the end where she actually, like, throws up. It's like, oh, that's right. That's what yeah. she is. That nerds did not have any type of animatronic that caused him to pee. Because if you watch the movie again... <laughs> As an expert all... on P animatronics, <laughs> all five times that that guy they shoot that shot of him peeing himself, it's just like the feet. It's somebody with a water bottle behind the camera just pouring out some water on that guy's feet. 
<laughs> it's clearly the case. Well, maybe that's why they did it then, because it was the simplest hey, thing for them yeah. to figure out. Uh, in since we're talking about the kids, the uh, the garbage pail kids themselves, this is according to IMDb. It might not be legit. They aren't always legit in the trivia, but this sounds legit. It sounds real. Uh, voice actor Jim Cummings. He's famous voice actor. He's voiced Winnie the Pooh, Tigger for years. He's done all kinds of stuff for Disney. Um, look him up. He's done oodles and oodles of stuff. Voice actor Jim Cummings is openly ashamed of taking part in this movie, according to IMDb <laughs> trivia, because he voiced a couple of the characters. He did Nat Nerd's voice. He did the Nerd's oh, voice. That's the worst and he one. Also did Greaser Greg. Greaser Greg being like just this like fifties tough kid, and I'm guessing in the comic he was probably like actually greasy and maybe like pimply or something. Doesn't really come through in the movie, so he just kind of comes off as like uh, John Travolta in Grease. And at one point, <laughs> I think he's like fucking one of the other garbage pail kids, or they're what? like they're playing they're playing doctor. Do you remember that bit? Yeah, he he and the which one did you? No, no, this 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 happened. They he and the snotty one, whatever her name is, they're in some like trunk or something, and he comes out and he has like a stethoscope, and they have dialogue, and he's like, "I wasn't finished with the examination yet," and she goes, "Oh yes, you were." And then there's, like, the other Garbage Pail Kids laugh. So, like, it was definitely some sexual innuendo being put in this Garbage Pail Kids movie. Lots of places, but definitely there. Should we transition to talk about the other places? Cause yes. I think, that, I think that's a great transition. <laughs> um, yeah, that, that was, like, from almost, I don't know, minute five, there were moments where I was like, oh, well, that seems a little out of place. And I think, to, you know, your point, Nate, like, the number of times that Tangerine is kind of sexualized. <clears throat> the Garbage Pail Kids say some pretty kind of like oddball things at times that are like, are they trying to like be sexual in that way? The bath scene. The bath scene. Not just the kid in it, but that, how they react to him. Yeah. The thing that definitely made it like, oh yeah. And when you said that this director was known for like C-level sex comedies, I was like, that makes a lot of sense was the finale in which the um the fashion show goes on and then it gets disrupted by the garbage pail kids and what's their first order of business rip the dresses off the girls so that they're in their underwear and i was like i was like wait i mean i understand like they made the clothes but this just seems like a a plot device to get girls in their underwear that's what that, at that point i was like is this pg-13 like <laughs> Oh, I'm pretty sure it's a PG. PG-13 did not come in until after it was the one-two punch of Gremlins and Temple of Doom that forced PG-13 to exist because parents groups were like they felt those are those are not good for kids. <laughs> like yeah, yeah. That, that Gremlins is too violent, which I mean, I don't know. In parts, yes. Temple of Doom is absolutely too violent for little yeah. kids. Um but, uh, yeah, then the PG-13 came in. But I know for some years they didn't really know what to do with the PG-13. So it took a while to kind of, like, suss out where the line was. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm almost positive this was a PG movie. Uh, there's another moment, not as sexualized as some of these, but it's another just, like, weird moment that I picked up on. So we have uh, Dodger, 
who's interested in uh, what the hell's her name? Tangerine, right? And so, uh, you know, he's following her around the whole movie and he's trying to get with her and everything. And at one point, I think it's after he's already, like, told her about the clothes and she's, like, suddenly interested in him just because of the clothes, like, because he can get her clothes. At some point, she, like, bends down to do something and then he, like, smells her hair, which, like, all right, he's a 14-year-old boy whatever. But the thing that flashed to my mind is I'm almost positive there's a line from the first few seasons of Arrested Development where George Michael does that to, like, maybe um, <laughs> in the midst of something. And Ron Howard says, like, which gave George Michael the opportunity to smell her hair. And so, like, I was wanting, like, a Riff Tracks version of this to have that line in there. All right. Any other uh, garbage pail sex stuff? No, that was the those were all the big ones. I guess the the other the other one that comes to mind for me it was a line from Valerie Vomit where it was like uh, Dodger mentions Tangerine and his his interest in her, and she like says, "Hey, you want to suck face?" And it was like, "Wow, okay, Valerie Vomit." Um, <laughs> and then they go back to like saying other things, but like that was really a forward of you, Valerie. Um, no, I think I think another one that I thought of that really kind of I actually had to like rewatch it and be like, wait, did they do what I think they did? But it was a moment again with Tangerine and Dodger, where I think Tangerine is trying to convince him to get them to like make additional clothes and be part of her uh, like fashion show. And she kind of bends over again and then, like, says, cross my heart in terms of, like, making a promise oh, to yeah, him. Oh, yeah, yeah, And it's, yeah. like, extreme close-up on her breast. like, yeah. And it's, like, it's like clothed, but still. And then it's her, like, rubbing her hand across, like, her left chest side where, you know, her heart is. But, like, clearly, like, making it seem like she's rubbing it across her nipple. And then touches his nose afterwards. And yes. I was, like, holy crap <laughs> i guess i guess there's also that makes me think of the scene where she's trying to convince him to do something else that might be the same scene and she kind of like lays out on a couch and like puts her legs up on the table and like crosses him while she's looking at him it was just like early early uh, basic instinct yeah like. <laughs> there's a, a different throwaway line this isn't like necessarily sexual but i think it's what leads to the bath scene I just thought it was a very bizarre line. So uh, Captain Manzini, he's the one that the kid works for. And prior to this, the kid has been roughed up by the bullies. I can't remember which time it was. I think it's the first time the bullies, like, pick him up, hang him upside down, steal his money, and then, like, drop him in, like, a mud puddle or something. I don't know. The kid comes back to, you know, where he works slash lives. I don't know. Um, squats. Um, but he comes back and Captain Manzini says, you smell like a fire hydrant. And I was like, what? What does a fire hydrant smell like? Fire hydrants dispense water. I would think they would smell fairly clean. I don't think a fire hydrant itself has like any particular odor to it other than maybe like rusted metal maybe but it was a really weird line of like what does that mean and Dumpy? then that, uh well i guess but this is the part where he's just dropped in the mud though i don't there wasn't any urine involved that would have made more sense when he was in the 
uh, sewer. Unless that I'm was getting probably it was probably in a cutscene where we saw a dog pee in the, or maybe maybe like uh, the nerdy Nat nerd. Okay, made that puddle. All yeah. right, maybe maybe I should have <laughs> given the film more credit and Come jumped on, to. Linton. Clearly, it's about dog urine. My mistake. <laughs> So you brought up the bullies. Should we uh, should we touch on them for a second? Because yes, I have so many questions. Yes, <laughs> I would love to start this off by saying that I don't think Mackenzie Aston did a terrible acting job, given what he had to do and act with and around. Same with the person who played Manzini, and I even think Tangerine was fine. Especially given, you know, like I, I read a little bit about how all all these people really dealt with their careers being derailed by this movie. And I don't think those three really deserved it. I think Rod, um, the person who like wrote and directed it, Rod. Um, Amato. Amato. That person rightfully deserved not to be allowed to have that type of production ever again. <laughs> but the guy who plays Juice was terrible <laughs> I, I the line the one line i have written down is that they uh tangerine asks juice not to bully dodger and he says it's a matter of principle <laughs> and uh it was he was just so cardboard yeah i think all three of them were just i don't know they tried to be like that atypical like movie tough guy um but the fact that these like this like i don't know ragtag group of bullies had nothing else better to do than just follow around this 14 year old and just give him shit all the time like they're clearly much older than him so what are they what what is going on in their lives that they just have to follow him around and just make a just Try and kill him, basically. Like you said, like they left him in the sewer for dead. Jimmy demands Garbage Pail Kids 2 to answer these questions. He wants a Disney Plus series uh, focused solely on the bullies. We need to watch their home life. Bring back Juice. Whole, whole arc. <laughs> yeah. It needs Ooh, to be like, uh, yeah, the Karate Kid fucking thing where they like, oh, no, he's the good guy, I think. Yeah, because yeah, that's the thing. Like, there's Juice, who is basically like your your leader uh, who wears like a leather jacket and sunglasses and has long hair and snaps. Then you had to, Oh, go ahead. I, know, I was going to say, then you had Wally who was in like the, I don't know, mesh, like I'm too sexy for my shirt, like get up. And now that I'm looking at his name, his last name is the same name as the directors, which might explain <laughs> a lot. <laughs> and then the other member of it was, it looks like Blythe. Who seemed just like, almost like a large Marge kind of, you know, rough and tumble lady who oftentimes I think grabbed Dodger and held him in like a headlock right up against her chest. Which again, might have been intentional, but just a weird weird group of uh, of bullies in this regard. That that unlocked some more of those weird sexual moments for, um, with Blythe. Yeah, for Blythe, Blythe decides to attack uh, Dodger at one point, and her go-to move is to, like, a scissor kick 
Like, <laughs> I don't know. Is that what, what is it when you go a heel drop? She goes for a heel drop um, right at him. And what happens is she catches her foot on a ladder um, step right by uh, Dodger's head. And he goes, oh, and then like pushes the leg off of him. So there, there's that. And then there was the scene where uh, she's in the hot tub with uh, the director's son uh, and the, the water turns to poo. Yeah. Um, so that's two more where they're like, they're cozied up and drinking like alcoholic beverages in a hot tub together. So add that to the fun for things. the whole family. <laughs> um, all right. So on that note, who is this movie for? Who who do you think they were they were trying to zero in on in the American public? Crickets. I mean, nobody. I mean, crickets is a good answer as any. So, <laughs> I I have I have no idea because like I, I I would have assumed it would have been kids in this in this movie, but this is definitely not a kids movie. But I mean, like I think you even warned us at. At, before we watch this like when you were like don't watch this in front of your son i would say just because mostly because I, of I don't, the way they I look. don't think i i don't think i i may i may have i've yeah. never Maybe i've never me. watched i've never watched it and i've never watched any trailers or anything i just knew it as like this is a particularly bad movie because <laughs> so i would have i would have assumed like all right if i had to watch this maybe i could throw it on and yeah. my six-year-old would be in the room and he would kind of you know, find it weird. I'm glad I didn't, because there's way too much in this that's, like, borderline. Yeah, I mean, it almost seems like the best answer... Like, they're definitely not trying to appeal to adults, because it's way too wacky slash cartoony and bad. Childish. I don't yeah. think... Yeah, childish. There's childish stuff that could appeal to kids, but the Garbage Pail kids themselves are kind of hideous. They're not really funny. I mean, you could say maybe some kids would think some of the things they would say is funny. But it seems like it's a real narrow window of like 10 to 14 or like like it seems like like older kids but then into like pre and post sexual cuz there's like, you know, like obviously there's some of the sexual stuff but not just the uncomfortable sexual moments. There's like the the plot is propelled by this kid liking this girl. And trying to be with her. So, I mean, like, little kids aren't going to care about that. They're not going to give a shit. So, it seems like it's more of, like, a narrower window of, like, like somewhat older kids who wouldn't necessarily care about that. But be like, oh, the Garbage Pail Kids are gross and cool. And then, like, some older kids might be like, oh, she's hot. I, I don't know. But that's, like, you got, like, a range of four years and they don't have any money of their own. So, why... <laughs> Why is that who you're targeting? So you're saying like young boys who are just now reaching puberty but don't have the means to find things to actually watch of substance. Well, I, I mean, there's nothing in this movie that's pornographic, but no. I mean, I, but I mean, in a way of like speaking to them, of like you right, could right. see, you could if the movie were better, it's a gateway you could, drug. You could see yourself as Dodger. Because, like, oh, I like that girl. In this, I mean, like, The Goonies is a far better movie than this. And The Goonies has Sean Astin, this guy's brother. And in that, there's a romantic subplot of, uh, what's the kid's name in Goonies? What's Sean Astin's character name? Anyone remember? Mikey. 
Mikey. Mikey has a crush on the other girl. Uh, I one of the like she's not none of none of the girls are part of the Goonies, but they're like they know them. Um, Annie or something or Abby or I don't know what it is, but anyway, he has a crush on her. So that's like a through line in the movie. And so if you were like Mikey's age, you'd be like, oh yeah, I identify with Mikey. So I could see that being somewhat of a goal of like, oh, kids might identify with him who want to like get the girl. But again, it's so poorly done and the audience is so narrow and, you know, Goonies is good and this isn't. So I, I see what you're saying and I, I actually agree. I think there's a certain age. There's always a certain like if you have a TV show that's supposed to be representing high school and you were to sit down and watch it, it's really aimed at kids who haven't gotten to high school yet. Yeah. Same with like middle school. It's aimed more at like elementary school kids because it's like this, you know, over the top version of what it actually is. And there's um, a fantasy element of yeah. like this, this is when life's going to get great. Right. And so this is definitely for that kid who's not 14, but might be 14 soon. And so he kind of finds gross out humor funny. And the bullies are so over the top. Like, what type of bull? This isn't a real bully. There's no such thing as, like, a 20-year-old who follows you around and takes your lunch money. Uh, yeah, I think that might Which be Which is literally what they window. did. He's not making Yeah, it. yeah. <laughs> like, these kids, these, you know, Tangerine's part of this crew, and they're trying to, like, make enough money to get out of town for some reason. And then their other hustle is just hustling dodger constantly only <laughs> the two things yeah so i definitely think you're right where it's that narrow window of people who will be 14 in a couple of years all right well speaking of that narrow window a little bit of information on like the success or lack thereof of this film uh the movie cost 1 million and it made 1.6 million which kind of blows my mind yeah, that it wow. like made anything but, you know, there's always marketing costs. There's always, like, the theatrical costs and that kind of stuff. So it was not a success. It was still a box office bomb. But still, the fact that it didn't make, like, 50 grand or something surprises the hell out of me. Um, so there's that aspect. Um, Mackenzie Aston, who I mentioned earlier, it's Sean Aston's brother, Sean Aston from The Goonies and Lord of the Rings and Rudy and Stranger Things and many other things. Mackenzie Aston did not go on to become nearly as famous as sean they are both the sons of john astin who was a famous character actor in his own right he was gomez on the adams family and was in the uh attack of the killer tomatoes movies some of them and uh he's done a lot of other stuff he was in gremlins 2 and he was one of the riddlers back on the old batman show so he's done tons of stuff still alive um pretty old i think he's like an acting coach these days but anyway john astin uh, when I was reading, Mackenzie Aston auditioned and signed on to the movie without telling his father, John Aston. And when John Aston was informed and given the script by his son, he thought the script was so bad, he looked into getting Mackenzie out of the film. So John Aston of the Attack of the Killer Tomatoes films was like, this is beneath us, son. <laughs> we can't do it. Um, so there's that little bit of trivia. And then... Um, Karen James of the New York Times called the film, quote, too repulsive for children or adults of any age. And uh, also offended parents launched a nationwide protest against the movie. 
uh, when it came out, and that and that ended with it being pulled from theaters after only a few weeks in circulation. So, uh, so the movie did not really have a chance to succeed all that well. So it could have done better. It could have. I mean, it almost it would have had to have like made something else. Did you uh, did you pull up the music producer? I did not, and I'm not. If you've got somewhere to go on this, cool. The only note I have on the music, uh, other than that it's awful, is that the music sounds like all those stingers between scenes in 80s and 90s sitcoms. Like, if you remember, like, Family Matters and Saved by the Bell or whatever, and they've parodied this on some recent SNL stuff, but there would be, like, a scene going from the high school back to the, the Winslow house or whatever, and it would do some kind of guitar lick. Um... That's like all the music in this movie from start to finish. It's just variations on that. Yeah, and it's like bad atmospheric, but there are some original songs. And oh, you're talking yeah, the uh the We Can Do Anything by working with each other. But the the person who made this is Michael Lloyd, who has over one hundred gold and platinum records. <laughs> um from his most, I see the most um, famous one is Dirty Dancing. He was in charge of Dirty oh. Dancing's music. Um, but I will say, I mean, I hated the, the two Garbage Pail-centric songs. And uh, there were two songs towards the middle of the film that I actually thought were pretty good. One was like, Sacrifice Your Love. And then uh, the other one was like, One Time, Two Time. And it was like very generic 80s, 90s type of pop music, but I thought it was fine. And then there was a song that gets played when they're outside the bar, and it's like supposed to be this honky tonk type of type of rock song. And you can see like people dancing inside, going like, "Yeah, this song is great." And the the, the refrain of it was, "I'm a big big man, I'm a big big man, I might be small in the galaxy, but I'm a big big man." <laughs> <laughs> That's projecting. <laughs> um, so that that's just a little bit on the music. Look, um, the village people had a wide audience of diverse tastes. Yeah, I will say I think that uh, that we can do anything uh, if we do it together. Song, yeah, like kind of came out of nowhere and felt very much like a heroin induced like hi ho from uh, <laughs> Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Just like they go to a. And I don't know if you picked up on it, but there was a sign outside the the place. They were like picking up uh, materials to make the clothes, and it said "non union sweatshop." And I was like, "non union sweatshop? <laughs> <laughs> Sweatshops have unions? <laughs> They're very bad. They don't do a good job." Wait, what? <laughs> they're uh, they're still working on it. Speaking of the music, uh, I mean, uh, all the music is, is, is pretty bad, as, as we're saying. Um, uh, Nate Nate apparently liked some of it, and uh, particularly liked Big Big Man. No, so yeah. we'll have to get that on MP3. I like Nate's version of Big Big Man. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the, uh, a couple, like, just rando notes in terms of the cast that this relates to. Anthony Newley, who uh, plays Captain Manzini, he had done, had done different things in his career, but part of it was he ha was involved in different musical productions, and he was a co-writer for like lyrics and music 
for Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Um, yes. Now, there, I, I did look into it. He didn't seem to be like the primary force because the other guy on that co-writing team has done like tons and tons of stuff you've heard of. And I was like, okay, he's probably like the real guy. But Anthony Newley contributed something along the way of both like the, the music of the score and the like the music of the songs and lyrics. So he, he did something along the way. So that was like a thing of like, oh, well, Willy Wonka's great. Wish I was watching that. Um, <laughs> so there's that. Um, no one else in the cast is really anyone of note with one exception. There is a fashion show host that shows up at the end. And uh, it's like a 50-some-year-old lady, uh, maybe early 60s. And I was like, she looks very familiar. I have a pretty good face for, like, actors. And I, knowing I've seen them in something, I was like, who is she? Jimmy actually zeroed in on this and called it. So uh, hats off to him. But I looked it up, and that actress is Lynn Cartwright. And she is Old Dottie from A League of Their Own. So uh, the, the actress who doubled for Gina Davis at the end of A League of Their Own. So old Dottie shows up here and goes down with the garbage pail kid ship. <laughs> yeah, I, I recognized her almost instantly because I've seen enough of uh, A League of Their Own, specifically when we had it on VHS. Yeah. And I had to fast forward past the old Dottie moments to get to the good stuff. <laughs> Give me the Tom hey. Hanks and Gina Davis. <laughs> hey, that movie's got heart. Those parts are fine. As a young kid, I was like, "Yeah, let's move past the heart." <laughs> what What movie did we have to fast forward through Powder to get to? Was that Happy Gilmore? Happy Gilmore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's how. That's I the only. Yeah, I have seen the <laughs> end of Powder, Powder probably a hundred times. Yeah, just to get to Happy Gilmore. I thought when I mentioned the rest of it. Wait a minute. I thought when I mentioned Powder earlier, Nate, you acted like you'd never heard of this in your life. No, I hadn't heard that of the whole like child molesting bit to powder. Because <laughs> okay. all was I probably about, the, the last all time... I knew about no no all I knew about powder was that like at the end of it, powder runs through a field and gets struck by lightning. So I'm like, yeah, that's all I know. Where, where's this going? <laughs> Spoilers for powder, Nate. <laughs> Sorry, cut some out, of us haven't out. seen powder. Cut it out. <laughs> I just couldn't believe that you just name dropped powder in the middle of nowhere. Where yeah. as I. I would never have known that movie existed had it not been for it's on the same VHS as Happy Gilmore. Yep. Yeah, it used, it used to be on HBO, so I haven't seen it in years, but I remember watching it. Also, it has Jeff Goldblum, so, like, there's that. I mean, I'm I, sure he's at least enjoyable in it. No, I remember. I remember because he's running through the field after Powder at the end of the movie. <laughs> like, no, Powder, don't go. And then he gets struck by lightning and he goes. It's, it's like the ending of Shane. <laughs> no, Powder, <laughs> come back. <laughs> <laughs> powder's riding off on a horse and is he dead is he not we'll never know um all right so let's see what else um near the end of the movie so i i just copied this straight from the wikipedia description of the plot because i thought it was just too bizarre to not touch on and i just had to present it in context so at some point the garbage pail kids get like captured um, sold yeah, oh, I don't know. I, I'm going to be honest with both of you and anyone listening. I was kind of in and out on this at times. Like, I was watching and taking notes. But I, you look away for, like, ten seconds, and something, and suddenly it's a fashion show. And I'm like, wait a second. Where did this come from? But, yeah, so at some point they get rounded up, I think, by the bullies. And so here's what the write-up says uh, on Wikipedia. 
The night of the fashion show, Tangerine locks the kids in the basement of the antique shop to prevent their escape, and soon they are captured by Juice and his gang, who bring them to the quote, uh, bring them to all ca the caps here. So this is the official name: State Home for the Ugly, a prison where people too ugly for society are brought and executed. I didn't catch the execution bit. That's great. Um, People there include the, quote, too fat Santa Claus. There is a Santa Claus with a sign reading Santa, or I think it just says too fat. Too fat, yeah. And But you can clearly tell it's Santa Claus. The, quote, too bald Gandhi. And yes, Gandhi is in a cage labeled too bald. The too skinny Abraham Lincoln. And Abraham Lincoln <laughs> is in a cage. The too wrinkly old man and the too silly clown. So, like, the movie's already been bad and bizarre up to this point. But when you hit that, it's like, what is the goal here? And, like, I know the movie's kind of trying to make you sympathetic to the Garbage Pail Kids. So you're like, oh, no, we're on their side. And so we don't want them to be executed at the home for the ugly. But it's like, what a concept. What What is this? Why? So, so I think this segues, segues perfectly into what you had uh, asked us to think of. Yes. Go for at it. At the beginning of it. And I think if you were going to do a Garbage Pail Kids movie, that is what you lean on. Because I thought the fact that they had those signs and it was like Santa Claus and Abraham Lincoln, like that is the humor that I would have expected from something like Gremlins 2 that's kind of tongue-in-cheek and a little postmodern. And I think if you had done that with Garbage Pail Kids and made the whole thing maybe around that where... Hey, we're in a society where ugly people are being rounded up and the garbage pail kids are on the run. And they have to <laughs> they have to get away from the the dog they're the dog catchers for ugly people. So the and garbage pail kids are the X-Men in this in this scenario. Yeah, yeah. It's almost like that or uh it almost gave me like a thought of um what was it? Uh yeah, that or like uh even like a repo men vibe, like just very odd and it doesn't have to make sense and if you try and put it in a world that involves you know a young 14 year old trying to get laid like it's not gonna work ever but if you make it so off the wall and you know all right we're gonna take this it's weird let's bring it up to 100 um maybe you could have gotten something that's like uh you know almost like tongue-in-cheek in a lego movie kind of vibe where like, yeah listen we know what we're doing here Let's, let's do it all the way. Well, and when you mentioned earlier of like going into this and, you know, thinking, oh, this is the Garbage Pail Kids movie and having no expectations for it other than you figure it will be bad. And then you said it was then worse. It made me think of like the Lego movie. Yeah. And the Lego movie is good. I mean, I, I will say that. But I will. But when it came out, I was immediately suspicious when it was like announced. And then even up to seeing it in the theater, I was just sort of like. Uh, you know, this is like kind of, oh, we own the Lego property. We want to sell it. It's like like the Emoji movie. Like, that's basically how right. I viewed the Lego movie is like, yeah, okay, this is a thing everyone on the planet has heard of. You're going to make a movie so you can try to make some money. So it's likely not going to be made with any kind of care or anything interesting. And then Lord and Miller just know what the fuck they're doing. And they're like, no, we're just going to like go crazy and have fun with this and try to make it as good as we can. And then it ended up being like a total delight. So yeah, I, I think that kind of angle, it's a little harder with the garbage pail kids since they're inherently like gross and weird. Whereas like Legos are like 
cutesy and you got all this you build stuff and like so there's like more of a kid-friendly aspect to it i think but yeah i i can see the angle you're going with uh nate pitch me your garbage pale kids movie all right so um I like what Jimmy threw down, but I have a different slant to it. All right. Uh, in the vein of like an Alice in Wonderland or a never ending story. You have a kid who has no place in life. He's hitting puberty. He's gross. He's stinky. Um, the girls don't like him. Um, he goes to his favorite comic book shop or card shop or whatever. And he gets sucked into the world of Garbage Pail Kids, where everybody's gross and nasty. And he learns to love himself and comes back out and has more confidence and gets the girl. All right. That's that's a story. I'll give you that. You know, that's more than this movie's got going for it. (laughs) That's that's my like. That has a beginning, middle and end. There's an (laughs) arc. Yeah, there's stakes. All right. I so basically, you're combining the never-ending story with. Uh, do you guys remember the movie Angus? I do. Yeah. Yeah. So you had like Angus, who was like the kid that no one liked, who was like mm-hmm. the fat, miserable kid in school. So Angus goes on a never-ending story and meets the garbage pail kids. Yep. All right. You're gonna love oh. this. It's the never-ending story meets <laughs> Angus. <laughs> That 95 movie that made like a million bucks? Ron, you've done it again. (laughs) They'll be lining up round the streets, I tell you. Um, So mine, uh, I came up with this pitch, uh, Pitch Me a Garbage Pail Kids movie without actually having one for myself in mind. Um, But I was thinking about, it's like, all right, well, how could you conceivably make these work? I think both of your angles on it could conceivably be movies. They could be much better movies than what we got, which is just so aimless and throw whatever at the wall. My angle, like, I don't know how well it translates to a film, to be honest, but I think it's an angle where you could adapt the Garbage Pail Kids. Because like I said at the top, there's no story. There's no characters, really. They don't interact on the cards that I'm aware of. It's just literally, here's a card. Here's a gross thing. They give a description on the back. Chew your gum. That's it. Um, So how you would try to like go about adapting that into some kind of story. I was thinking like if you approached it like a parody of Peanuts or Calvin and Hobbes. So you took something from childhood, something that's like kind of which it, it was already a parody of something pure, which is Cabbage Patch Dolls. But Cabbage Patch Dolls also don't really have any kind of story to them. I think it's just you got the doll. It had some kind of little write up of like, here's what this thing is. But they don't like interact. There's no story. There's no narrative. There's no mythos. Yeah, there's not like a mythos to the Cabbage Patch world that I am aware of. But but Peanuts and Calvin and Hobbes obviously tapped into childhood stuff, but they also like had ongoing narratives and stories and character interactions. If you tried to do something like that, but just kind of like made fun of that, kind of like took childhood stuff and kind of amped it up in a weird, gross way or kind of like played off of and not that peanuts and calvin Hobbes are bad but like played off of things like that and kind of parodied them um the best example i landed on was like happy tree friends from like the late 90s early 2000s so that was something that took like animation usually being like very sweet and nice in you know with disney and lots of other things and they make these like super cutesy characters and then they just like mutilate them on screen and you know bloody and stuff 
So in this example, I don't know that Garbage Pail Kids makes sense. You wouldn't be targeting kids. I don't think you make it sexual. I don't think you make it <laughs> uber violent. But you could make it like kind of smartly satirical. Kind of what you're saying, Jimmy, with like uh, Gremlins. So you could maybe go for like a teen audience or even like a cult audience. Like you're trying to get like college kids and stuff if you did it the right way. It's it's a hard sell no matter what. Mm-hmm. Um, you might be able to still go after kids if you just kind of soften the edges. As I'm talking here, the one I'm thinking is like both Adam's Family movies from the 90s are fantastic. And those movies definitely appealed to me and many other kids growing up. And there's a lot of things in them that kids will enjoy. A lot of silly things, a lot of cool costumes and monsters and stuff. But then there's so many great moments of dialogue and just like really sharp writing snide comments and there's actually some sexual shit in the adams family movies and some of it would go past kids and some of it probably wouldn't but like that's a movie those both those movies were able to toe the line of like having some like darker things that kids could be cool with and having some like more subversive things that adults could roll with so like if you could hit that kind of vibe you might be able to pull off uh, a garbage pail kids movie so that's where I'm at on it, I think. Yeah, I think either way, you'd have to figure out how you would create the Garbage Pail Kids in a movie. Like, I think that's your biggest hurdle, right? Either live yeah. action or the animated. What are you going to do that's going to make it something that you, people can, like, tolerate for an hour and a half? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, because, uh, yeah, I mean, you've got things like Roger Rabbit, which literally had cartoons on screen and other ones have done it not nearly as well and then you've got all the cgi animated ones that have done the roger rabbit thing alongside real life people but they're mm-hmm. cgi characters would you do i mean would it would, you, would a garbage pale kids movie work better as like stop motion animation like what you could like give them the ugly looks and stuff and but set it in a weird different world um, and just avoid human characters at all maybe it plays better that way my idea on like with the happy tree friends kind of thing, I, I also, I admitted to myself like this might just work better as vignettes. Like maybe you do like a garbage pail kids series, um, you know, maybe you do short episodes, like eleven minute episodes. Maybe it can carry that amount of narrative. Can you carry an hour and a half? I don't know. Yeah. Lord and Miller might be able to figure it out. Uh, somebody really talented. I will say that that was one of my final notes on this is that this movie is an hour and a half and it feels like five hours. I just wanted it to end so many times. It's just so lengthy. Uh, Any final notes before we uh, wrap up here? Yeah, I think as we've talked about it, I've kind of crystallized on what, what I kind of feel about this movie is like the center of it. And maybe we can get a little like cultural is that, I think the reason why this was such a big hit, I don't know. It it just, it's gross out humor for kids, you know, kids who like say, put their hands in like a bowl of spaghetti and get told that it's like witch hair or whatever. And they go, ew, but they don't take their hands out. They laugh and kind of giggle. Yeah. That's where this, this like card line is coming from that same world. Um, and I just, the movie didn't do it right it's like obvious that like a group of adults it's something that adults don't really typically get is that type of gross out fun that juvenile thing and they try to make an hour and a half movie and it seems like everybody in the room didn't understand it like 
whoever made that line of tops cards i can't imagine had anything to do with that movie um and it was just kind of a vehicle for the company or to like make more merchandise or capitalize on that on that thing but they didn't get it (laughs) so that's like uh why the movie just does not work It, it you know you mentioned how the when that movie came out there were uh, you know parent groups that like boycotted it and it almost feels like people who agreed with those boycotting parents were the ones who made the movie because they were so out of touch with the movie itself they were like i don't know like have the the nerd piss himself for a fifth time Uh." well parents parents also hated the cards and uh i didn't read up on the cards before this i really should have to see if there's anything um that popped out but i do remember i'm kind of skimming here they did used to be banned in schools there was kind of an outcry at the time in the 80s of like these aren't appropriate you know these aren't for kids um so they were seen as being like with like younger kids like them because of the reasons you're saying of like oh this is like silly and naughty and stuff and then uptight parents or school groups or whatever would just be like you know this isn't for children and so yeah you couldn't like have them in some school districts so like there had been a backlash to the garbage pail kids phenomenon even though they were successful and i'll say i did i did some further research on you know like after i watched that movie i went onto youtube and just had to find some people who were like were doing discussions on it and i actually ended up on the tops youtube page they have their own okay. youtube video it's very focused on their baseball cards but uh they actually have made three like three minute vignettes of uh the Garbage Pail Kids in stop motion animation, uh, set right. in a parody world of Mad Max, um, <laughs> and it's actually very funny. And I'll and I'll send you all the links. But yeah, you can I'll, I'll find check it. that out. Um, it's all about a post-apocalyptic world where the world is run on like dirty diapers, and one one person found a dirty diaper and is being chased by the other Garbage Pail Kids. It sounds it sounds pretty stupid uh saying it out loud but like it fits the, pe- the mold what, of what the cards yeah. are right yeah. what what's right. the shortage there the diaper or the dirty like they it seems like you'd they be... don't get into it they don't get into it <laughs> but he gets chased by like some villains and and one of them's like a dracula garbage pail kid and the other two are like yelling at him and then it goes over to him and he just goes like blah blah and then everybody else is like oh is that all you could say <laughs> it's good <laughs> um I, i'll send you all the links all right I did see that uh, apparently they talked about possibly making a Garbage Pail Kids movie in like the late 2000s, early 2010s, because Michael Eisner, who was uh, famously in charge of Disney for years, like through the kind of like Disney Renaissance years, Little Mermaid and Aladdin and all that, he eventually left Disney. Uh, I think some of it kind of went bad um, behind the scenes. But yeah, so I guess he bought the Topps Trading Card Company somewhere in there. And he was thinking about making a Garbage Pail Kids movie, and it was going to be like CGI Garbage Pail Kids, but that the reception to the idea was negative. It didn't say, like, by whom. I don't know if, like, people in the industry, the general public. (laughs) I don't know. But uh, so it it has been thought about, I guess. All right. Um, So would you recommend the Garbage Pail Kids movie? I don't 
think I could recommend this to anyone. This has moved the goalposts for me. <laughs> Last time you asked me, would you recommend the Avengers? And I said, no, I don't think it's a very good movie. And you argued back saying, well, I think it'd be fun to, you know, sit around and drink beers with friends and laugh at it. And you kind of convinced me that I, I agree on that, especially now. This is a movie I would not recommend. Go watch Avengers. <laughs> that That's a movie worth watching compared to this one. Uh, Jimmy, elaborate. Anything? Or just... Um, I, I mean, like, we kind of went over, like, it, it's a very thin who would be interested in this movie kind of thing. And I even, like... If you tried to make the case of like, ah, you know, you could sit down, have a couple beers, watch it. I mean, like, I suppose, but we tried to do that with uh, Staying Alive, and um, we got real bored real fast because Staying Alive isn't a very good movie. The Travolta one? The Travolta one, and then we realized, oh, we were literally just waiting for the end where he wanted to strut. We should have just watched that on YouTube and called it a day. In which case, you could probably do the same with Garbage Pail Kids. You could watch a couple clips on YouTube and get a laugh and go well i'm glad i didn't waste an hour and a half watching the rest of that movie so i would argue you can't so wait, wait what, back what up scene for, you... for, okay, for staying sorry. alive you're, you're talking about the sequel right yep yep okay what's the original again sorry i'm totally blanking saturday night live or saturday, no, night, saturday fever. night fever saturday yeah night. i i'm gonna go ahead and say i don't think saturday night fever is a very good movie either but i'm sure it's better than staying alive it's better than staying alive you know staying yeah. alive was directed by frank stallone uh, I believe I have heard that as well, yes. Yeah, yeah. I'm Might be his only directing credit. That Garbage Pail Kids is so bad, what scene would you need to pull up to get the gist of it? Like you said, staying alive, you'd want to pull up the strutting scene. What scene would be like, you gotta see this? I think the only one that comes to mind for me is there's a part where, like, w- Wendy Winston says something at the camera and his eyes don't blink, and his face half works. <laughs> and he's like saying something like, we can do it, guys. And uh, that would be the only thing I could think to show somebody about this movie. I think the dog catcher uh, for ugly people thing is, you know, like once they go into there, that's kind of got like a, some interesting, like, is, Santa, is that Santa Claus? Did they put Gandhi in there? That's true. Yeah. I think the 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 main number we can do anything but working with each other because the song itself is so bad and cringy as a song, but then you also get to see all the garbage pail kids singing and moving around and see their like hideous shapes. It doesn't have as bad a moment as other parts with like like you're saying like some of the gross out stuff or some of the comments, but I think it gives you a good enough sense of what this movie is and can be. Yeah. So uh, that would be the scene I would point to uh for myself garbage pail kids uh the garbage pail kids movie absolutely not no i would not recommend it often i uh do have some kind of angle that i can say like oh this or that group or as nate's saying like yeah you could like laugh at it this is one that's like it's a bad movie but it's not a fun bad movie really there's some head scratching parts there's some like you know mouth agape springtime for hitler producers type moments where you're just like "Uh, what why but there's not i'm not laughing at it at any point it's not like the room where i would actively be laughing at certain scenes and just enjoying the insanity of it most of it's just like an hour and a half of really bad decisions but not fun bad decisions 
Yeah, what, so. what I'll say is like the Super Mario Brothers movie that I think you did with yeah. Stephen Fabs is like Citizen Kane compared to this movie. <laughs> well, and that movie's like enjoyable too. Yeah, like, it's I, got good production value. Like yeah. it's got some fun moments to it. And it like I, it, I don't love that movie. I don't think it's successful at what it's trying to do. But like, yeah, I would watch that movie every day for the rest of my life versus the Garbage yeah. Pail Kids movie if it uh, if I had to choose. Yeah, um, I mean like. As far as in your characterization of the movie as like a, a that kind of commercial '80s cash grab, like here's a property, we need to make a movie out of it, we need to make a TV show out of it. But this is the absolute bottom of the barrel. I'd watch Rainbow Bright every day. I'd watch Care Bears every day. I'd watch if the if the Cabbage Patch Kids had a movie, I'd, I'd probably, probably watch did. that. This one has. You'd to be, be a brony, my little brony. <laughs> Ah, uh, did they make a class? Is there like a class? Yeah, I guess there is a class. There's, yeah, there's some old school My Little Ponies. Yeah. I'd have a cutie mark before <laughs> <laughs> before you get me to watch this every day. All right, so it's a it's a big thumbs down from the crew on uh, Garbage Pail Kids, uh, the Garbage Pail Kids movie. If uh, if you want to check it out as a completist. Uh, completionist for you know bad movies do so like i said i had never seen it myself and i was curious and now i know and that's the end all right can i find this so uh if you want to find the garbage pail kids movie it's uh doesn't seem to be too available um i looked <laughs> it up on streamers and i Usually you can find it on some stuff, or if you can't, there's usually some kind of like reason why. I mean, sometimes the reason is just this is really obscure and whatever. But um, so this that's probably the case. This is fairly obscure and it's super bad. But I couldn't find it on any streamers. Maybe some are out there. The only place I could find it was some site called, and this was playable for free. You just click it and it starts. Some site called 123series.ru, and I believe <laughs> RU is a Russian uh, web address. So some Russian streaming site probably is just pirating this and many other things. Um, or maybe that, maybe they're the only site that made a bid on it. I don't know. Maybe they needed some content. Maybe they're totally on the up and up. And they we just... have all the hits. We have the Garbage Pelicans movie. <laughs> We have quite a good collection of MGM films. Police Academy <laughs> 2 through 7. <laughs> All right. So, yeah. So, if you want to watch the Garbage Pail Kids movie, 123series.ru. It's out there. Um, there is a DVD, and it has been put on a collector's Blu-ray. There is a collector's Blu-ray through one of those like specialty Blu-ray presses that does a lot of like horror and weird stuff and midnight movies and whatever. God, um, can you was... imagine watching this on Blu-ray? <laughs> <laughs> that's how you got to see it. Yeah. I mean, that's that's what makes it come to life. You can, you can really, really see, see the zippers on the heads. Yeah, you can really see all the <laughs> foam damage that occurs when they balk into things because they can't see. <laughs> all right, so that wraps us up. For uh, the Garbage Pail Kids movie, I will say uh, we have had kind of a rough run of it recently because we did uh, In the Blink of an Eye, which is a horrible uh, Christian conservative weirdo movie that we watched. We did Nothing But Trouble, where I plugged in that old episode from the different show. 
that episode, you know, should have come off pretty fun and funny. Nothing but trouble. I do still recommend as a weird, bizarre, and like interesting movie. It's a much better movie than this one is. Uh, much more entertaining to watch. And then we hit Garbage Pail Kids, uh, the Gar- Garbage Pail Kids movie. So, uh, you know, we've had a run of some rough ones. From here on out, though, from this point, uh, we will be starting our Halloween watching. So uh, we've got a slate of movies um, that are like horror movies or horror adjacent or related to Halloween in some way. So we will have a number of those throughout the month of October. And our first one is going to be a somewhat obscure film called Boxing Helena. And that is directed by uh, David Lynch's daughter, Jennifer Chambers Lynch. So we are going to be uh, looking at Boxing Helena as our first one. And then after that, we will be going into some other horror and Halloween-related fare. So hopefully uh, this switches things up a little bit. And uh, some of the other things we'll be looking at should be a bit more fun coming up. But oftentimes, as I've said to many of our members, like the... The, the worst movies tend to be the most fun to talk about anyway. When you get like a true blue classic or this movie is amazing, it's just us sitting around being like, yeah, it was real good. Those shots were cool. So it's a lot more fun when you are goofing on something. So, but that is what we've got coming up for our Halloween slate. So join us next time starting off with Boxing Helena. <laughs>